0: It is easy for worship leaders to feel alone. There is tremendous pressure on us each week to perform, to lead, and to help direct an amazing experience of worship and connection to God. But it's so overwhelming. There's no place to go to talk through these unique challenges worship leaders face. Welcome to the table. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of The Table. I am Jason Squires, your host of this podcast, and I'm um, excited about today. We are hanging out with Christian Knuckles. Christian, how's it going, man? It's going great, man. Glad to be here. Oh, I was excited about our conversation today, but before we jump in, let's uh, um, introduce yourself. Tell us about you.
1: Uh, well, I'm a worship pastor. I've been in the ministry in some capacity for a long time, you know, the better part of 20 years or so. Um, And yeah, I've been in full-time ministry since the beginning of 2010. And I've been at my current church for almost five years. I serve at a church called Battle Creek Church. It's in the Tulsa area. We have six campuses. So it's a mega church, multi-site church kind of environment. And awesome, uh, yeah, it's really fun. Ah, it's so good.
0: That's so good. And are you over the, the those campuses, or are you at one of the campuses?
1: What's your role? Yeah, so I'm at one of the campuses. Um, all six of us campus worship pastors report to the uh, director of worship ministries, kind of guy. And yep. Um, so yeah, we all we all collaborate together and work together, so and play together, and and have a lot of fun together. So I'm at the uh, campuses in Owasso. Which is a fun word to say, but I'd never heard it before I moved here <laughs> uh, to take the job here. And uh, yeah, it's north of Tulsa, and it's just a small suburb outside Tulsa. Yeah, and you know, and you know Tim Tibbles, who's been on our podcast. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's at a church right down the road. Tim and I met a few years ago, and he he actually had been uh, working at that church before and had gone yeah. to other opportunities, and then came back. And so when he came back, we uh, we actually have a meetup. All of all of us, uh, or a lot of us, worship pastors in Owasso meet up for coffee uh, once a month. Oh, and so Tim good! And has become a really good friend of mine. And yeah, uh, great guy.
0: Oh, so good. Yeah, he's. Uh, we'd love having him on. He's 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 a he's a good guy. Does does good things. Um, but hey, so today in this kind of whole month, we're talking about making the right decisions for your context, and because uh, we in the worship world, uh, there's so many different. I mean, so many different things you could do. But also there's also the culture driving uh, what you looks like you're supposed to do. and sometimes that's not attainable for everybody. And so um, but today I want to talk about making the right decisions to shape your culture at your church. because um, culture is the culture at your church, not the big picture culture, but physically um, on and in your in your world. Um, let's just jump right in here. How do I create and define a culture for my team at my church? Like what do I do to kind of how do i how do I kind of what what does that even mean? How do I do that? What are your thoughts on that? Oh my gosh uh
1: man, how long is this podcast? yeah <laughs> it's supposed straight <to> <laughs> right. oh um okay, so I'll just say this, I define culture as the way it feels to be a part of the thing, okay so yep. like um, and the way it feels is the way a person like Receives and interprets their environment. So, um, the culture that you're building uh, will incorporate a lot of different elements. Uh, I like to think of it almost like um, Have you ever watched like HGTV interior design shows? Oh, yeah. Okay, so like the interior designer is going to go into a room and maybe it's like just a blank room or it's gutted or something. And they're going to renovate the place and they get this vision. They get a vision for how they want the space to go. Maybe they tweak different ideas of how the space could be. And then what you see on the show is their process of transforming that space into this renovated, awesome room. Yep. Um, Well, when they're picking out all that stuff that goes in the room, all the paint colors, the furniture, the fixtures, lighting, the carpet, whatever they're doing, like wallpaper, each of those itty-bitty little elements all adds up to the way it feels when you walk in the room, right? And so that's kind of how I like to look at it. Um, I like to get a vision for the ideal future of this organization or this environment or this ministry or this worship space. And then I like to kind of work backwards from that and say, okay, I need this kind of, you know, quote unquote, throw pillow, right? Or yeah. oh, this yeah, kind right. of couch needs to go over here. So you'll maybe it's something like, okay, I, I want this to be an environment where people feel uh, like they're a part of a family when they're on this worship team. So I need to build things into the schedule and into the regular workflow that make that value known to the people that join this ministry. Um, I, on my worship team, we have five things that we greatly value. Um, and, and I'll just say as a leader, if you're borrowing your values from somewhere else, that can be a good place to start. But really, the longer you're in ministry, the more you realize, okay, wait, this is kind of who I am, who God's created me to be as a leader, and I think these are good biblical things that we should value. Yeah. So you you take those values and you let them shape uh, what your what your culture is going to be. So yeah.
0: Uh, and how do you think? Uh, I mean, that's not a. I think it's important to remind people of a lot like the HGTV show uh it appears to happen in 30 minutes but it does not happen in th- it does not happen in 30 minutes
1: no like yeah, that's no a, way. The, the, these are long term these are long term uh moves and long term absolutely things there are some things you can do quickly there are some things that require a lot of relational equity investment right so um uh that's one of the sad things about the average tenure of a worship guy or of a pastor of being like a couple of years or, you know, who knows what it is now. Yep. Um All I know is that me being in a mega church almost five years, I feel like I've somehow like dodged so many bullets <laughs> and, and I'm still here because that's <laughs> like way longer tenure than what normally would you'd see at a mega church. So knock on wood, I want to keep my job. I love my job, but, um, Yeah. I mean, you, it's almost like, uh, the analogy of how to boil a frog, right? Yep. If you boil a frog and you turn the heat all the way up right then it's going to jump out, it's going to freak out. And so you have to raise the temperature You start out with lukewarm water and raise the temperature raise the temperature slowly 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 and before you know it the frog does not even know he's cooked right yeah. because it's, because he didn't even sense anything just any so we know is the frog the sound guy or the drummer in that in that in
0: the, <laughs> i'm just kidding i just pick him to pick him no, the frog there. is
1: the uh the frog is the people in the back that only want hymns. That's right <laughs> <laughs> uh, Just
0: turn that yeah. up a little a little more That's amazing yeah. Now what are some what are some like uh like decisions i need to make when creating culture like what are some what are some things that i might need to uh put into place or uh just kind of like the, the the canvas is there but like how do i what are some things that like help me kind of structure that what what are some things that might be a good uh, starting spot
1: well i think obviously you know we're pastors uh first and and so like the super sunday school churchy answer should be hey is it biblical is this a biblical vision is this a vision from god Is this, is this a value that, that is in the Bible, you know? Um, So like a lot of times people will say that they have a vision for raising up uh, an excellent worship culture um, for this reason, that reason, that reason, that reason. But the real reason is they want to be awesome. They want to be on camera. They want to be on video. They want to be recorded. They want to be on Spotify, whatever. And right. So um, you have to live that, that vision. Right. So, um, I think the best place to start is, is this really a biblical vision? Am I dying to myself? Am I exhibiting humility? And that's a struggle for so many worship pastors myself. I'm the chief of sinners when it comes to that. Right. Um, and, uh, but also is this matching up with your senior pastor's vision? And so like, if you are going off trying to create a culture, that is building a kingdom that's like going a different direction than what the pastor is trying to drive his church toward. You're going to be grinding your gears. You're going to be so frustrated. You're probably going to quit. You know, you're probably going to put that resume out there pretty quick. Yeah. And and I know because I've been there like, uh, and my it, just won't th- it just won't work. It just won't work. Yeah. Right. My first, first full-time church job was at a really wonderful place in Annapolis, Maryland, it's a church called Weems Creek Baptist church. I, I served under a fantastic pastor there. Um, and, and I learned so much from him, but, but I spent a lot of my time there frustrated because it was a blended worship environment. And here I was, a early, early to mid twenties, spiky haired punk rocker, you know, recovering Baptist that thought he was going to be cooler than Baptist or something. And, um, Mostly focused on building my own kingdom, mostly focused on building my own platform um and so, in my four and a half years at that church, I introduced that church to l e d lights. I introduced that church to drums to yeah. electric guitars, right um all kinds of congregational changes took place at that church and and I also didn't just do music there. I did like all the production and all the like community outreach stuff, um, anything IT, anything media or design, I did all that stuff. And so I was trying to implement congregational change on multiple fronts. Again, like I had a vision for what I wanted the culture to be, but I was on step 25 when my pastor was on step two, right? Mm. And step one was hiring me, (laughs) you know? Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. So I think a lot of the times worship pa- the worship pastor and senior pastor relationship, or in my environment, my direct report is my campus pastor, and he is phenomenal, an incredible leader, a wonderful partner in ministry. And that relationship is so vital to your success because really you are, your job as a worship pastor, we call you the worship pastor, the worship leader, but man, really like the pastor over that experience is really the worship leader. And, hmm. and so you really have to recognize spiritual authority and you don't just go run off and, and do some big congregational change without having a conversation with your pastor first. Right. Truth, truth. So that's just wisdom. That's a really, really great way to, you know, get fired is to just go run off and do something that people aren't ready for. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. And cause a lot of these things involve change
0: and let's just be honest, we don't do that well. No. Like hum- humans just we don't like change. We like, I mean, I don't know about you, but I get frustrated when Facebook like releases a new, a new look, and you're like, I ju- I knew where everything was. Why did you have to move it? And I got to go relearn, got to go relearn where things are. And it's like, uh, you know, it's probably not the end of the, it's not the end of the world, but it feels like it sometimes. And you're like, I just want to keep going the same way and do the same things, but. Dude, it's, it's
1: 2023 and I just went to Pro Presenter 7. Okay. So you know what I'm saying? Like I hung on to Pro Presenter 6 for a long time. You're in good company. You're in good company. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, hey, so but, that's yeah. that's creating culture. How do I uh let's let's talk about changing culture? Um, because those are those are can be different. And um sure how can I identify and change aspects of my ministry that aren't effective maybe, or maybe they need a refresh. So, mm-hmm. cause, um, I, so I, I travel full-time leading worship at churches and I go into churches all the time where you can tell they've kind of gone on autopilot and we just do it cause we do it. And it like it, and it's sometimes it's like, uh, there's things, there's better ways to do things, but how do I, how do I identify and change those aspects um, that maybe, like I said, aren't being effective or maybe need a refresh? Sure.
1: Well, I think that the, the, the key to it all is being a leader that's willing to hear that something might not be the best it can be. Right. A a lot of times we may not have the self-awareness, um, in an environment that we've been in for a long time, especially, Um, or maybe we've been there, we've been building something. We've, you know, a lot of us worship pastors, we're, we, we have an entrepreneurial spirit. We, we get into an environment and we want to build something. So we've been there for years and we've been building it and it's been getting better and better in our minds. Um, but it can be hard when you hear something like, hey, did you know that this production element is missed all the time and it really frustrates me you know um, right and it may be something you're not even completely aware of but yeah. ultimately it falls under your ju- jurisdiction and so I would say be welcoming to a point of people I mean you know you want to you want to have trusted relationships but you need to have people in your uh, environment in your culture whether it be like uh, a production director or like a, a service producer that can just be the set of eyes that observes hey, when you played that song, it didn't land as well as you thought it did, you know, because mm-hmm. your eyes were closed the whole time and you were really into it, but nobody else was feeling that, bro, you know, <laughs> or, Hey, when you shine those lights in everybody's faces, I know that it looks really cool on the video, but everyone is blinded and they hate you, you know, mm-hmm. um, things like that, people that can see the blind spots. Uh, so you need to build those people into your life you need you pray those people into your life, uh, and then be willing to receive that and, and. A lot of times we can go into a, a situation, especially, you know, Jason, you lead worship in lots of different churches. So a lot, a lot of times it can be seen as kind of like an office space when they bring in the consultant and, or the consultant <laughs> team, the bobs or whatever, and yes. they come in and tell you like everything that's wrong with your organization and how to like streamline it. And basically everyone's just getting fired and it's terrible. Um, we we, ha- we can't be that way, right? Not if we want to effectively pastor people. Um, and so I think the key is there is to remember that like, we are pastors of worship. We are like, everything we do is a context for discipleship. Everything that we do is it's, it, Jesus didn't say, go out there, you know, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so therefore go and rock the stage. Therefore go And make an excellent Ableton session. No, (laughs) God said, Jesus said, go make disciples, right? Baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? So um, we're here to serve in the power of the Holy Spirit to disciple these people. And um, I think that changing the culture really comes down to a discipleship process, if that makes sense. Yeah. So uh, if you look at it through that lens it can change how you think about it. It becomes less about, okay, how long do I have to wait before I can get my way? How long do I have to wait before I can slowly inch the organ inch by inch, week by week, one inch a week to the left until it's off the platform completely. Right. Exactly. Right. (laughs) Whatever, whatever your organ is, whatever that golden calf is, you know, uh, that you want to get rid of. Uh, But yeah, I think, I think if you look at it as a discipleship process, it helps you understand that, okay, Hey, these are the sheep. We're here to help shepherd the sheep. You know, Jesus is the good shepherd. And, and we're just trying to be like him. So let's look at what he did. Right. And, and there are a few instances in scripture where he got kind of frustrated with the disciples and with his followers and stuff. Um, but gosh, think about the massive amount of time that he was so patient with people. You know, he's the son of God. He's God incarnate. Right. And people just did not get it. And he was so patient with them. Mm. So I think that I can be patient when a person doesn't want to serve in kids worship because they consider it a demotion. Whereas I value that just as much as adult worship, you know, and that's just one example of a culture, culture thing. So.
0: As you were talking there, I was getting this image of like, uh, in my head of like building, building something and you kind of just kind of keep building and building and building and, Not realizing, sometimes you have to knock it down, in order to, in order to like, to maybe start in a start in a place. But it's like knowing, it's knowing that and understanding and having the people around you to go. Hey, I see this. I hear this. I know this is something that I I trust. Now, speaking of people, um, I mean, we kind of talked about it earlier. There's a million. There's a million ways to do things, and we live in a culture right now where, like, I mean. I can log on Facebook and go to a worship leader Facebook page and ask a question and get a million different responses that are all right for that that person's context, right? Like everything I ask is going to be, they're not going to give me the answer for my context. They're going to give me the answer for their context as case in point. I was on a, I was on a page the other day and there was a picture of a church that somebody said, help us, help me, help me figure out, how to redesign this this stage. It was an older like older look church, older look of a space. And somebody said, cover the stained glass, hang some black curtains and hang some lights and get some color and it's going to look great. And I was like, that's not right for your, their context. This is right. That makes sense in your context, but it doesn't make sense in in our in in this context. And so that's why yeah I start like not looking at those anymore because <laughs> it's like and that doesn't make any sense. But for you, and maybe um, speaking into other people here also as well, how do you seek input on decisions? How do you seek input on um, what is the right thing for me? Or um, do you make a decision and then go, "How do I do this?" Or do you say, "What? Is, what? What would be a good idea in this context?" Or what would be a good idea in this space?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, how does that? How does that come across for you? Well, I mean, it's a it's a pretty broad question, and yeah. And I think that it would depend on the situation. It would depend on the scenario, right? Yep. Like if someone said, if I, was, if I were to say, okay, I'm going to build a house. Um, th- if it was my job to build that house, the very first thing that I would do is go find a general contractor that knows how to build houses because I don't know the first thing about it, right? True. <laughs> you know, um, or, or, or however you would go about it, right? Um, but if someone said to write a song, then i would know exactly what to do you know i i i have processes for that and collaboration is a big part of that and um so uh, you know there there are things that i have in my wheelhouse and in my skill set that um come come a lot easier and and can be more intrinsic internal um and then there are other things where man i just have to say i i don't really know exactly how to do this one really great example is uh we were in staff meeting a few weeks ago and uh my campus pastor doesn't know this information I don't think but um we were all in staff meeting in my pastor's office and we were we are sitting there talking through things for the weekend or whatever and we got a, a a ring on the doorbell um and so the doorbell rang and we were all of a sudden you know it was a, it was a homeless man we were we were interrupted by a homeless man that came to the door and so uh i saw my campus pastor go to answer the door. Um, and because, you know, he was alone, I decided to kind of secretly, uh, back him up. And so I went down the hallway without him really seeing. And I was around the corner from the door so that the man couldn't see me there. I didn't want to make him feel like he was ganged up on or anything. But I, what I did was I listened and I took notes in my mind on what, okay, what's he going to do now? Because this is his wheelhouse. This is what he does. Um, he, he helps people through tough times. He prays with them. Uh, is he going to give this man, you know, a gift card? Is he going to give him money? What's he going to do? And so, um, and then also is this guy a psycho? Is he going to try and kill my campus pastor? So I'm here to help intervene if that happens. So, um, I was taking notes and, and I, I heard my campus pastor lead this man in prayer and, and he listened to his. Uh, issues, his problems, his, the, the woes of his current living situation. Yeah. Um, and I learned so much in those five minutes of just silently being there and listening. Right. So good. Right. But, but it took me being aware of saying, I do not know this information of how to do this. Right. Yeah. So I think just having your antenna up, um, sometimes we think we have a strength, but we really don't. Right. Hmm. Um, I'm a past, I'm, you know, I have the title of a pastor, but I'm on stage so much that I rarely am in a place where I'm leading someone to Christ where I'm like, where someone raises their hand in church and I'm leading them to Christ right there or something, or we're baptizing someone. Um, it's a muscle. I haven't been able to flex very much, much like my real muscles actually. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so like when the opportunity comes, um, I have to be sensitive to that. I have to be aware of that. And I have, you know, I have to seek information to be ready for that. Right. Yeah, totally. Whereas if, if you want me to sing, how great is our God? Yeah, I can do that right now. No, I don't have to think about it. You know, we, it's like breathing really at this point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that that's the seeking input really comes down to um, if I need to make a decision and, and, and cause that's really what it comes down to. If I need to make a decision about cultural change and I have not led people through that before, or I know that it's a precarious situation, then obviously I'm going to speak with my fellow campus staff, with my fellow staff, with my fellow worship pastors. You know, there are six of us worship pastors here. There's a few more also just full-time worship staff here at this church. So I have this, I have this amazing opportunity to seek input from my people in my life that do my same job. So maybe if you're in a context where you're the, you're the guy, you're the worship guy and you need to make a decision about a worship situation you need to be building into your life or praying that God will put into your life. Other guys that or, or girls that do your job uh, that you can speak with. Um, and then that way, when you're meeting up for coffee once a month with those people or whatever, you can say, well, Hey guys, man, I really, you know, I have this guitar player and he's always played on a real pedal board and real amp. And we want everyone to go to a Kemper or a Helix situation um, where it's all a silent stage. And I just don't know how to get him on board with that. Right. Have any of you guys ever dealt with that? Yeah. I mean, like that's a very niche situation, right? Right. 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 Other human beings in the world have to deal with that kind of stuff (laughs) other than worship (laughs) pastors. Right. It's okay. So I think a lot of it is just knowing who you can go to for those kinds of things, man, you know, and, and and being willing to just say, ah, dude, I don't know everything. I need help.
0: I love, I love what you said about saying, keeping your antennas up and like in, in conversation, in, you know, in the, in the congregation, in the community, in the people around you, and kind of locking those people in your brain to go, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to reach out to this person. You know, there's, there may be a, an older couple at your church who you can ask the questions and go, Hey, are, are we hitting the mark here? Are we doing, you know, is this, you know, you're going to get the honest answer. And so it's, Um, and, but also, also that niche, that niche community of worship leaders, it's, uh, it's such an important, it's such an important world. I love that you mentioned earlier that you guys, uh, you guys get together monthly with your community, like with your community, worship leaders and around just to go, let's do life together. Let's do ministry. Like that's always been, that's always been a, a heartbeat of mine to get like, is to get people in the same room, get them around. Literally we call this podcast, the table for a reason. Um, cause it's like, I want to get people around the table talking about life, talking about ministry and uh, doing those things. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. Hey, so we do call our podcast the table and, um, I, I believe, I believe good conversation happens over good food. And, uh, mm-hmm. so before I ask you the food question, do you, do you guys, you guys do coffee together or do you do food? Do you guys the worship leaders or Do you guys meet for like a lunch yeah. or is it like <laughs> coffee at a coffee shop? What are you guys, what are you guys doing?
1: Yeah, typically, uh, so like the, the worship pastors at all these different churches in my town, uh, a bunch of us get together for coffee once a month, Yep. but once a week, all the worship pastors at my church, we all get together for lunch. Like we all have a meeting, we have like our meeting, but then after our meeting, we all go to get fried chicken together. We get slim chicken. Slim chickens is the name of a restaurant here in this area. I don't know where they have those. That sounds fantastic. It's a fantastic. chain around yeah. the South and the Midwest. And, uh man they have amazing chicken so like we oh, always go get chicken so so yeah. so if
0: i'm coming over to the knuckles house for dinner what's on the table what is yeah. what is
1: what what is what's happening here tell so, me about it it's really a tough question the big the big question is is my wife cooking or am i cooking if i'm cooking you're going to get one of two things <laughs> 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 you're going to get uh quesadillas Okay So like And I don't know if you're aware of this But there is this uh, Tortilla brand That Like they come raw And you cook them on your stovetop So that oh, they're yes. fresh And I can't remember the name I think it's like Tortilla Land Or something like the I know what you're talking Bill. about Bill Yep Anyway um, So we use those In my house So I mean these are like It's, it's not just a normal quesadilla It's fresh yeah. You know Now I mean if I burn it Then that's how you know it's my signature style. You got a burnt (laughs) quesadilla, and you know Knuckles made it. That's Um, right. So you're either going to get that, or you're going to get some kind of easily grillable item like a burger or like a brat or some kind of a hot dog. Um, I do like to grill steaks. I grilled steaks for my wife on Valentine's Day for my whole family. Yes, on Valentine's Day, and I was really proud of myself. I didn't. Uh, ruin any of the filet mignon or whatever we had, you know. Good job, so that's that was have... a win for me, honestly. What
0: are, now, what if she's cooking? What are,
1: what are we having if okay. she's cooking? M- man, my wife is the best cook. She's so good. Oh yeah, and she always, she always, she uses the instant pot. So, have you heard of the instant pot? It's God's invention. That thing makes so. I don't. That's beautiful. I gave her Creation. an instant pot for I think Christmas or maybe Mother's Day of 2018 or something. Okay. Right before we moved here to Oklahoma. That is the best gift I ever gave myself. You know, like it was like a the gift that keeps on giving back, dude. <laughs> the gift um, that keeps on giving back. It is. That's amazing. All year. Yep. So, I mean, she'll do like Easter ham in the Instant Pot. She'll do mac and cheese in the Instant Pot. She'll do That's... Thanksgiving turkey in the Instant Pot. What, Dude. She'll like yeah, like she'll do Game like changer. a yeah. Um, she'll do soups and stews and stuff like that. Um, I don't she'll understand. Do my pork. wife puts frozen cold chicken, cold in chicken in there. Yeah, man. Puts frozen chicken like tw- like twenty
0: minutes later, it's cooked, and you're like, I don't know how that works. I don't. It's, it's unreal. A, it's a magical yep.
1: invention inside there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But oh, dude, that's my, so good. I think one of my favorite things that she makes though is her signature chili, and uh, she does not do that in the instant pot. That's just on the stovetop. but it's taken. We've been married for almost uh, like uh, I guess a little over eighteen years. Okay, and it's taken that long. I think about five six years ago we finally got that chili dialed in exactly how I wanted it because I like hot stuff. I'm a ooh, okay. I really okay. like hot, hot, spicy food. Yep. Like I did the blazing wings challenge at Buzz- Buffalo Wild Wings, and I was like, <laughs> "Come on, give me a real challenge, Child's dude."
0: Play, <laughs> yeah.
1: Um. I'm, so, I'm going to yeah. be at a church soon, in
0: and in I'm going to be at church in a few weeks in a, um, Grants Pass, Oregon, and the pastor messaged me f- earlier and asked me if I'd be a judge for the chili cook-off that's happening at church that day, and I was like, I'm normally the, I normally get to come the week before when they make the announcements, and this one happens to land on the Sunday I'm going to be there. I was like, absolutely, I'll be a judge. That is, that is a great, that is a great place. That's a great.
1: What an awesome bonus. What I mean, honor,
0: really. Right. Know? It's an honor. It's an, I'm going to come out. It's, it's an honor. It's an honor it to really get is. to be, to get to choose, but. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> so, hey man, hey, how do we, how do we connect with you? What's, what, what, what are the ways we can uh, uh, connect
1: well, with you? Well, the best way to connect with me is to spell my last name correctly. And no one in the world <laughs> knows how to do that including just, just of my friends. Just honestly. for the record, I spelled it wrong when I emailed you. I'm,
0: I, I'm, we're going to go. I'm going to let everybody know. <laughs> no, it's okay. I, you, how do you spell knuckles wrong?
1: But it, it so go ahead and go ahead and explain. So it's the problem is it's the way that my last name is spelled, it's pronounced knuckles, but it's spelled wrong in two different ways for me. <laughs> so it's spelled N U C K E. So there's no K and it's E L S. E L S. Right? Not K N U C K L E S. I did L E S. Not N U C K L E S. Not K N U C K E L S. Right? So, yeah. N U C K E L S. I've thought about changing the pronunciation when I introduce myself to (laughs) Nukels. 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 And like pretending I'm from Europe or something. That's right. Hello, I'm Christian Knuckles. Christian you Knuckles. Know? Christian Knuckles. It works. So yeah, um, I'm on Instagram. I am Knuckles. I'm on Facebook, Knuckles Music. Uh, I'm on Spotify. I Christian Christian Knuckles is my is my name. Spotify, Apple Music, all that stuff. You can hear my songs. Awesome. Um, yeah, and I'm a part of the Battle Creek Collective, which is my church's music thing. And so you can look us up as well on Spotify and Apple Music.
0: So. With a name like Battle Creek, you kind of have to, that's a great, that's a great name.
1: It's the a Battle, cool name, right? The Battle Creek Collective. That's, I mean, it just works. I mean, listen, if you're named after a map on Halo 1, then <laughs> you know your church is awesome. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> Did you ever play Halo? It's a long, been a long time, yes. Battle Creek was the first map I ever played on Halo back in like 2001 or whatever. Yeah, exactly, on, exactly. Yeah. That's amazing. So uh, when I saw the name of this church, I was like... Yep. I, have, I must I have, work there. I have to go there. That's where I, I gotta to go. go. The Lord is calling me to Battle Creek. So. Oh man, I appreciate you hanging out today. Same, man. Thanks for letting me be on your awesome uh podcast. It's Absolutely. super fun. Absolutely. And I can say I'm almost as cool as Tim Tibbles now because almost.
0: Almost as cool yeah. as Tim Tibbles. That's it's it's hard to reach Not Tim quite. Tibbles level on the on the on the cool factor. Oh, it's virtually impossible. Yeah. <laughs> That's so. amazing. All right, guys. Hey everybody, we'll see you guys next week.